of life that siblings squabble Look at Liam and Noel or Kane and Abel Well we ain't got a bandana, don't wanna kill you But we'll sit and chat and argue about cinema reviews Who is right, is it me or him? Well you were always mother's favourite Are you still singing that hymn? Prepare for a battering, it's time for the squabblings Avast there, children. <laughs> Arr, it be squabblings. Yeah, it be squabblings, you're with me, Charlotte. And me, Tom. Yar, this accent's getting tedious already. <laughs> Arr. Arr is my favourite consonant. <laughs> Well, if you haven't guessed already, me and Tom are going to be launching into a three-episode special on the Pilates of the Caribbean. So for non, <laughs> for the non-educated um, out there, that was um, wank speak for Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> wank speak. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Tom. I am excited. I really, really love these films. I'm excited because I get to wear this bandana. Oh yes, we should mention that we are in fact dressed up for this episode. Um, I'll have to put a picture on the on the Squabblings Instagram uh, if you want to see what me and Tom look like. Um, now, a couple of weeks ago, when we decided that this is what we wanted to do on the next couple of episodes, I spoke to Tom and I said, I'm ordering a pirate hat off Instagram. Uh, Amazon, <laughs> do you want one? <laughs> and I said, no, you bellend, because it's a radio show. What's the point? Yes, but are you jealous of my hat right now? Um, it looks quite good, actually, doesn't yes, it? Yes, so the short answer is yes, you are very jealous of my hat, because you've had to borrow one of my H&M scarves, and yes, you look like a teppanyaki chef. <laughs> I do, I do look like a, uh, I look like Sensei teppanyaki. Sensei yeah. Whereas I look like, uh, I look amazing, and I belong on the high seas, uh, with the wind in my hair. And you look like a member of the village people. <laughs> Ah, I have reached my final form. <laughs> no, actually, you look like one of the Adamant crew. Again, I don't see a problem with this one iota at all. <laughs> Gay space pirates. Gay space pirate, Adamant for, uh, and music for sex people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I think that speaks to quite nicely what we're going to be looking at in the next couple of episodes. Pirates have always just been at the forefront of pop culture. They're just cool. They've always been cool. Well, you say always, but before Pirates of the Caribbean, when was the last pirate blockbuster? Um, I think that would be, um, oh, the absolute tank of a film with Gina Davis in it was Escape from Cutthroat Island. Have you ever seen that? No, I haven't. Well, it was it was a film that was kind of made in the late 80s. And like today, I think it's one of the biggest blockbuster flops that's ever been. And oh, it, was, right. it was meant to have been this great, huge bank for the um for the for the studio that made it and it was an absolute disaster and i think that was what essentially killed the pirate film for a very long time and then disney came along yeah <laughs> and said yes let's make a whole film out of this ride in the theme park yeah it's an in, it's an interesting <laughs> concept isn't it how yeah. how we leap from one of the famous rides in disneyland to three award-winning blockbuster shows. Really, essentially, they have nothing to do with the rides. No. The rides only turn up as honourable nod cameos, don't they? Yes. Um, it's kind of like having a film made by the BBC that's based off, I don't know, the Nemesis ride in Alton Towers. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. You do think about it and you think, what a strange thing to base a film on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think they tried to do this again 
with the haunted mansion, and that was oh a pile of shit. God, I remember the haunted mansion. Yeah, the only good thing about that Awful. is you left your key in the mausoleum. I left my key in the mausoleum. Yeah. For anyone who's been to Disneyland and been on the rides, that was the only satisfying moment about watching The Haunted Mansion was seeing the head things come up in the film. (laughs) The head things. (laughs) So, Pirate of the Caribbean is a series of fantasy swashbuckler films based on Walt Disney's Disney's theme park attraction of the same name. They are. They are. Are. What do you say as a pirate if you want to respond in the the negative? They aren't. Aren't. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you say nay, don't you? Nay. Nay, belay that. Yeah. (laughs) Pirate language. It's just cool. All, you just instantly sound cooler. All pirates are rock climbers, aren't they? Because they belay. Oh, shut belay up. Belay that. Oh. oh, shut up. <laughs> shut up and get out. <laughs> Join me, Tom, next week for more rock climbing jokes. <laughs> We've got a very niche audience now <laughs> of people that are into yeah. film, but also rock climbers. It's a very small Venn diagram. But I'm, ta- found I'm talking to maybe the 1,000 or less people who are professional climbers <laughs> based around Cumbria or Scotland. These are for you, but fellas. But also, like films. <laughs> these, these are for you guys here. <laughs> Great. The small subsection of society who are professional rock climbers who like Disney films. The film follows pirate Captain Jack Sparrow, played by Johnny Depp, and blacksmith Will Turner, played by Orlando Bloom, as they rescue the kidnapped Elizabeth Swan, Kira Knightley, from the cursed crew of the Black Pearl, captained by Hector Barbarossa. Hector? He's called yes. Hector. I mean, we never find this out in the first film. No. But he does call him Hector in the third one, doesn't he? Oh, does he? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. When they go back to Davy Jones' locker to rescue Jack Sparrow, oh, yes, he goes, he gre- ah, Hector. He greets him as Hector. Oh, so we, we do learn his name. So, captained by Hector Barbarossa, played by Jeffrey Rush, who become, uh, who become skeletons under the light of the moonlight. I have mm. to stop you there, Miss History Teacher. Mm. It's not Barbarossa. Yes, I recognise I said that when I, when I said it. It's not Captain okay. Operation Barbarossa. Listen, in my everyday life, I say Barbarossa more than I say Barbarossa, all right? I'm sorry. I'm a history teacher. <laughs> I can't help it. <laughs> we're, we're, oh, no, they're going through the Arden Forest. No, what are you doing? Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> you can't move tanks through there, but we are. <laughs> are you the captain of the Black Pearl or are you the Holy Roman Emperor who died on way to the Third Crusade. Oh, no, wait, we've got it wrong. Operation Barbarossa was Russia, wasn't it? Yeah, Operation Barbarossa was the invasion of Russia. We can save this. Some some Russian jokes. Charlotte, Charlotte, what does Russia start with? No, I'm not going to... Stop it. Get some help. Stop it. (laughs) I'll I'll see myself out now. Thank you. So this film was released on the 23rd of June, 2003. And, uh, oh, it's an old one. Yeah, it is an old one. I, can't, I couldn't believe actually how old it was. I mean, I'll come on to this when we talk about uh, the, the, our notes from the film in a bit more detail. But I very distinctly remember watching the first Pirates of the Caribbean film when I was in primary school. Yes, and I think, I think it's dated quite well. I, it, I think it has as well. It's, it's, it's shot well. 
nice color tones, you know, a good script, um, well paced. It's a good, feel good family film. Yeah. yeah. And what I like about historical uh, blockbusters is that there's nothing in them that makes you think it will date badly. Oh, no, it's, wait, it's, it's not like the Goonies where some some <laughs> some people just can't watch something like the Goonies because it's just too 80s and too unrelatable. <laughs> Kick him in the nards. Wolfman's got nards. Is that is that the Goonies? Is the Go- Oh no, is that monster? I don't know. Uh, um, but it's one of those terrible sort of very dated uh, comedy films because they've oh, decided to put it in an era, haven't I, they? I haven't even got this right the second time I said it. It's Barbosa. Yeah, it's Barbosa. That's why we had the whole Barbarossa conversation. Well, I thought I thought it was Barbarossa. No, it's it's Barbosa. Barbosa. It's Captain Barbosa. Captain Did Barbosa. Did you even watch the film? I have watched the film many, many times, but my brain has just been rewired from from teaching history. So, Tom, shall we start with our comparison of notes? Let's compare notes. noticed in this film was the the opening scene sets the tone really nicely nice and spooky nice and atmospheric but one thing i did notice how how old is norrington meant to be in that first scene because he looks yeah it's a bit like mid 30s yeah he, he does doesn't he it's a bit ambiguous isn't it the only effort they've made is to give him a colored wig or his own hair that's that's to, the to only thing I noticed. His youth, yeah. yeah, and they said he was a lieutenant, so we know he's lower in rank than he was. Than he is at, uh, when during the main uh, body of the film. But let, let's just conservatively say Elizabeth is like what thirteen in the opening yeah, scene, eleven maybe, eleven to like thirteen. That. <laughs> that would make that would make um, Norrington a good fifteen to twenty years older than her. I think to narrow the gap there. What they could have done better was maybe have Norrington as a late teens, early 20s, young, budding, commissioned lieutenant. Yeah, they should have possibly had Norrington played by a different actor then to make it feel a little bit less predatory. Yeah, made it clear that was Norrington, you know, slip his name in a couple of times into conversation but to set the scene. But it's it's not hard, is it? Because then it's a less creepy gap there. Yeah. yeah. It's about maybe seven years or something, which is doable. Yeah, that's yeah, that's very true. Uh, but Mr. Gibbs, love love a bit of Mr. Gibbs. He's our uh, our walking, talking, mm. uh, explore, exploration <laughs> guy, isn't he? He's our exposition dump. <laughs> Gibbs, insert pirate theology and code here, he please. Gibbs, He's say like- pirate stuff. <laughs> We don't understand what's going on. Gibbs, pirate stuff. He's literally, you know what Gibbs is? Gibbs is the NPC character that you need to go back to to explain, like, you know, ask me about any lore that you come across. (laughs) (laughs) I'll update your codex for you. Gibbs, I'm lost. I've looked at the map. What are my mission objectives? (laughs) 
go back to the pirate code in the manual. <laughs> Discovered one piece of Aztec gold. Ask Mr. Gibbs to explain this entry of the codex. You can use the gold to unlock the chests and store inventory in the chests for your quest. See, the thing is, you, d- you needed a character like Gibbs for this kind of world. But I, I did find it getting a little bit annoying. Uh, like, oh, Gibbs is on screen, which means I have to listen now for the for the content and the world building. Well, I th- I think it's done quite well because as a character, he's believable, isn't he? He's the um, he's the bard, isn't he? he yeah, he's, he's the bard. That's a good way of putting it. And also, he's quite a believable type of character in this in this setting that he's probably. Well, we know he's ex-Navy mm-hmm. because he was uh, in the opening scene. As a lot of pirates would have been, actually. As a lot of pirates would have been. They'd probably have, I don't know, served their term and jumped ships somewhere and then just taken up with the next ship that would take them, I guess. Yeah. But I think Gibbs as well, he has this kind of stars in his eyes idea of what pirates are. And he he, he loves to eat up all of this mythos and... Um, and this this story crafting because that legend legendary uh, aspect to piracy is what he loves. He well, it's like he loves being the storyteller. He loves spinning the yarn. Absolutely, and he loves yeah. perpetuating the myth even further. I think that's the myth the writers are trying to put across. But in reality, do we think that by because the writers have explained they roughly think. Pirates of the Caribbean is somewhere between the historical period of 1715 to 40. Golden age of piracy, yeah. Well, is it though? According to um, Wikipedia, the most reliable source of all, Wikipedia, (laughs) the golden age of piracy was largely over by the end of the 17th century. I, yes, it's it was certainly on its way out, I think, by that point in time. Um, Well, it's weird, isn't it? Because... Maybe it's a time when the pirates weren't the most active they've ever been, but it spawned the most famous pirates in history mm-hmm. because they were the ones who were getting the headlines and being written into the history books because they were reacting to They were riding the out laws. the dying wave, essentially. Yeah, yeah. yeah they, they were the ones being squeezed by all the laws and... and taking action against those, weren't they? Mm. And it's, I think it's more interesting as a film to see that point in time of transition rather than uh we're pirates and we can do what we like sort of era it's like how how does piracy and the people that were pirates survive during that transition of um of of a golden age into a more regulated sea and a more regulated caribbean one thing i'm glad pirates of the caribbean didn't do was try to get too invested in the history or try and intertwine itself too much with what was actually going on. No, because it's a kid's film, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's it. I think it has its story to tell and it does it well and it doesn't really matter about the backdrop because it it could have been, for all intents and purposes, anywhere in the Spanish main, really. Mm -hmm. For example, you know, it's nice that we see some of the historically famous towns like Port Royal... And Tortuga. I mean, Tor- Tortuga is a little. Sp- I know it was a famous port, but it is really a, li- a, li- a little tiny is, island. Is mostly. Um, I think Tortuga, Tortuga is meant to be kind of an amalgamation of several ports in the Caribbean that were very pro-pirate or pirate-friendly. Well, Tortuga is a real place. 
Yes, but it wasn't um, as as large as as the film would have you believe. I think Tortuga is actually meant to be based off the the the, the town of oh, what was it called? Nutka. Nassau. Nassau. Thank the you. The Pirate Nassau. Republic of Nassau. Nassau. Yeah, uh, but no, I I and I kind I liked that they kept yeah they kept it vague and they had kind of the archetypes of of piracy as we knew it in in the film yeah but they never got too specific um you know because it would have been quite easy for them to have like a flash card at the beginning of the film and say you know it is 1784 the yeah. golden age of piracy totally unnecessary yeah. they no. didn't need to do that no no exactly because we we all know from you know how how they're dressing you know red coat soldiers lovely tall tall mast ships mm-hmm. we we know it's we know it's the early 1700s for god's sake don't insult our intelligence so i think actually creatively that was a good move it, it could very easily have kind of gone into master and commander territory where they got almost too bogged down in the history of of the british navy yeah and that's that's its own realm if you're going to do historical fiction you know, go and watch Master and Commander, or go and read Bernard Cornwall. Don't don't um, expect that from Dis- Disney, to be honest. From from your Disney film based on a on a on a log flume ride. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Actually, speaking of the opening scene, my favourite um, cameo was just when Jack is coming into port and his his ship oh. is sinking, and he goes past the the hanging skeletons and he sees pirates. Ye be warned, which I believe was a sign on the ride, which was absolutely brilliant to see. That, it's the little things that make the difference, like that. That entrance of Captain Jack Sparrow, I think, has got to be one of the most iconic introductions of a character ever. This is a well set up film, I think. The 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 op- the two opening scenes are excellent because the first one where they they're on the foggy ship coming over you know as young uh, children yeah. um, introduces us to Elizabeth it's and a prologue, Will our isn't protagonists it? yeah we it's- see a little bit of their history and their back backstory and, and like a little bit of their existing trauma and their existing relationship it's like a musical you have your overture it's a prologue yeah yeah and then you have your your big sort of maybe fourth or third best song in the musical opening number which is pretty <laughs> which is pretty good but it's not the halftime showstopper and it's not the finale and then obviously that introduction of, of what essentially is going to be our main character it's got to be a memorable moment i mean this the first i would say the first 20 minutes of this film is an absolute masterclass in in film filmology and filmmaking it, it beautifully sets up the premise of the film the world of the film and the characters in the film as well mm. and i found myself Beaming, beaming from ear to ear when 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 I saw that introduction of Captain Jack Sparrow. It, it would be interesting to show it to somebody who's never seen it before mm-hmm. and whether they would say, wow, is that cool? Or is it just nostalgia? I think it might be, again, I think it might be a little bit of a mix. But I think, I think we actually have quite a good objective um, uh, pair of eyes. When we go back and watch these things, I mean, we were we, young, we, but I, we weren't very young, were we? No, but I feel like when we watch things, we know when we rewatch them later, oh, actually, this is shit. This is not as good as yeah. I remember it. <laughs> no, but I... We don't I, kid ourselves. I, I, had, I had that idea. I had that thought in my mind when we put the, the film on thinking, oh, is this film actually going to be worse than I remember it being? And I was really pleasantly surprised. It was a, such an enjoyable film. Yeah. And it's 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 one of those things that if you put on the on the telly, people will stay around to watch it. It's one of those. I think it's going to be one of those long standing and long lasting 
family films because of it was because um you know the sum of its parts come together to make something incredible and it's it's um it's not buoyed up just by one particular actor or actress or um but, but collectively as a whole it's a fantastic it's it's a wholesome sort of um thrilling trilogy which you feel like is good enough maybe to pass on down to your own children don't you Mm-hmm. You know, like Star Wars or Lord of the Rings, uh, you know, something for young adults who, you know, maybe can deal with something that might be a little bit scary to younger children might now, you know, around the, the, the 11, 12 year old sort of age. I will say when I watched it, though, I thought maybe, I mean, you know, a good 15 or so years later, I thought the CGI was starting to age a little bit poorly at this point yes there there were a couple of scenes where we watched the people turn into skeletons didn't we in the moonlight and Mm. where they have to me what seemed like a bit of a ridiculous choreographed scene where elizabeth tries to escape from the captain's uh cabin and she goes outside and then she gets thrown in the air on the the sheet and stuff it turns kind of into what did you say it turns into a video game cutscene it just looks like a very good video game cutscene it does yeah it, yeah. The CGI is starting to date a little bit, although it's not terrible. But sometimes you can look past uh, a bit of terrible CGI. I mean, uh, you know, some of the classics that you and me have watched, you, you look past the terrible CGI because at, at its core is a good story. And that, I think that is what will happen with, um, with, with Pirates of the Caribbean. But uh, moving on to kind of talking about a, f- a few of the characters in this. I mean, obviously, the, st- the standout performance of this film is Johnny Depp as Captain Jack Sparrow. Oh, yes. I, I I think the whole franchise sort of... Well, not entirely, but I'd say at least 50% of it was living and dying on his personality. Absolutely, yeah. It was, it was riding... The success of it was semi-riding on his yes. uh, his strength of character. I mean, as, as we said, pirate films, when this film was made, they were seen as a bit of a a, 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 a real loss of money. They were, they were not a sure people, bet. People weren't keen to back them, I don't think, were no. they? But then Johnny Depp comes along with this stellar stellar performance and as i like as i've said in my in my notes there is not a moment when he is on screen that i'm not smiling yes. he's just so so enjoyable yeah whatever you think about johnny depp these days mm. he is a delight to watch as captain jack sparrow yes we should probably add a little bit of a disclaimer at this point in the podcast and say yeah um we we, we uh, everybody of course is aware of the allegations that have been raised against johnny depp and against his wife amber heard and you know, ir- irrespective of of what what you think and and what has happened in in that situation, I want to kind of compartmentalise that away and concentrate on him as a performer in this. Yes, we at Squabblings we have have always endorsed the uh, policy of love the art, not the artist. Yeah, and, indeed. <laughs> and that and that means you know, um, it very well may be that Johnny Depp is a a dickhole, but. <laughs> It doesn't stop him giving great performances. We don't endorse Johnny Depp's uh, lifestyle should he be, uh, you know, a less than savoury character. You know, we don't know. That's for the liable there. We don't know. We don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But the fact is, we love the art, not the artist. Indeed, yeah. Anyway, back to the podcast. (laughs) Yes, that was a rather solemn subject it, it, isn't and it? it it is a shame isn't it that that what whilst whilst you are watching these films that is floating in the back of your mind yes <laughs> for some people that would taint it enough for them mm-hmm. and 
you know, this, this, this will happen several times over the course of your lifetime. Things like this will happen. Like yeah. as, as I'm sure many musicians and other fans of, of, you know, R and B out there won't want to acknowledge is, you know, somebody like Michael Jackson oh, yes, yeah. totally going down the tubes, you know, being pulled from a lot of radio stations mm-hmm. and the besmirchment of his legacy and so on. And we talked about this um, on the podcast before, but uh, you know the ongoing um, allegations of J.K. Rowling as a as a turf ruining the Harry Potter series for a lot of people. But yeah. again, that, that but whatever allegations are made against J.K. Rowling, it doesn't take away your enjoyment of Harry Potter. Yes, the fact the fact is, if you didn't know anything about the author, or you didn't know anything about Johnny Depp, you went in cold and you just watched it, and you asked somebody, "Did you enjoy that performance?" You're likely to have said yes, aren't you? Yeah. But yes, no, it is. It's it's a shame that we've got these very um, weighty allegations um, attached to this actor. But nevertheless, trying trying to um, trying to you know treat that with respect in the way it should be, but also putting that you know to the side so we can concentrate on his on his historic performance. Jack Sparrow is is his iconic character. Oh, absolutely. When you think Johnny Depp. I it's a career-making character. Yes. It's a career-defining character. It's a career-defining character. And I uh, love the process that he came up with to create Captain Jack Sparrow. Mm-hmm. I have heard that he based his character on Keith Richards, the guitar player from the Rolling Stones, <laughs> which is why he cameos as Captain Jack's father in the third in one. Because he, yeah. he found this out and he was like, well, I have to be in the movie now. Well, this is what I was thinking. I mean, and everybody kind of knows that that kind of bit of movie trivia now that, yeah, part of his performance was based on making pirates like the rock stars of their time and that's why he kind of added a bit of a slur to his words and Mm. like this dreadlocked black eyelinered sort of look and he could have gone very very traditional pirate with this uh, portrayal he could have gone like i'm a black beard sort of i'm from the west country but he didn't he he went down an avenue that had not yet been done with something as archetypal as a pirate he managed to find something different but still spot on yes it was different enough that you paid attention to it, but not too dissimilar that it totally took you out of it. No, you know, exactly. He made, he made a good effort with a decent accent. You know, what? When you say the three shillings, <laughs> I forget the name. <laughs> what? What I would have hated was for them to cast a really big, high-profile A-lister actor who has an American accent, because um, as much as I think it's good, they stayed away from being too historical. It would have just taken me out of the time. Most period. pirates in the Caribbean would have been of British descent. Yes, yes, and what you know, actually, a lot of the famous pirates—they were from Wales, weren't they? Wales as, and the the West Country, Bristol, and yeah, that kind yeah, of area. Well, which which is why the pirate accent is a West Country accent, isn't it? Yes, but what Welsh people are underrepresented. This is absolutely in pirate true. Pirate films, aren't they? Apart from, of course, the best Assassin's Creed <laughs> game ever made, full stop, ever. No one will convince me otherwise. Black Flag. Oh, I just I just will not have it. <laughs> just... Oh, them's fighting words, Tom. It was good, but <laughs> Assassin's Creed lived and died with Ezio Auditore. 
How dare? No, no. Assassin's Creed was launched with Ezio Auditore. Launched off the top of a building into an eagle dive, if yeah, you will. Into a haystack, yeah. <laughs> no, definitely. Um, uh, Edward Kenway is the best protagonist. He's cool, so but far. he's not from Da Firenze. Da Firenze. Ezio <laughs> Auditore. Da la la la. Da la la la. <laughs> Oh, before the uh, before this hellish year that we've had, one of the, the last things I went to with a really good mate of mine, uh, we went to um, a performance of the Assassin's Creed Symphony in uh, the London Hammersmith Apollo. Oh, I bet that was good. Oh, it was wonderful. Uh, they played the music from all of the different games. And of course, they showed like a little segment of clips from each game um, before they launched into the, the musical score. Yeah. And of course you've got applause for each character. Mm. And you know, it was it was you know Altaya. <laughs> Good, yeah, launched Et- it all. Yeah, yeah. Like Maybe Ezio. Oh yes, yes, fan favourite Ezio, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. they had all the others. But then suddenly Edward Kenway and it was like people standing ovation. <laughs> no. Yeah. Edward Kenway by far got the biggest applause that night. That's just because the game mechanics and the open world setup and everything, it was revolutionary, but he he didn't have the swagger that Ezio had. He never had the balls to the wall swagger. I I am I I'm itching for them to do another another spin-off with Edward Kenway. I'd love that so much. Yes, I think um they could expand on a uh another you know, they could expand Assassin's Creed, couldn't they, with another Ezio no, another Edward Kenway game mm. for sure. No, but it's it's exactly like you said that yes, Welsh um characters are underrepresented in the uh in <laughs> In, in the piracy realm uh, because we have this very ingrained idea of pirates coming from Somerset, which is where, you know, of course the pirate accent comes from. But yes, no, a lot of Welsh, a lot of Cornish as well. well. There were a lot of famous Welsh pirates, weren't there? Like Bartholomew Roberts. And uh, Henry Morgan. Henry Morgan? Yeah. Is that... Um Go on, you know wait- what I'm thinking. You know, I'm waiting for you to put the, the pe- I'm waiting for you to put mm, the pieces together. Mm. Henry Morgan it's from It's Saturday night and I'm having rum and coke. Yes, Henry Morgan of Morgan Spice Rum. Yes, you are absolutely right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no way. Yes, well, well after he was done with his piracy, he uh, settled down in Jamaica and put uh, and and built himself a sugar plantation and uh Did he actually? Yeah. And yeah. he grew and he, he grew sugarcane for rum. He grew the sugarcane to make Morgan Spice Rum, yeah. That's that's <laughs> insane. The He's, more you know. Yes, there brought you are. to you by squabblings. The more you know. Brought to you by Squabblings. <laughs> brought to you by a history teacher who actually teaches this to her year eights <laughs> about how the British Empire was formed through piracy and privateering. Well, that's insane, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, he he came from he came from Wales, and his family were Welsh. Yeah, I knew somebody in um, Cardiff who claimed that his family were descended from Henry Morgan. Well, that's a tall claim, isn't it? Yes. So how be a did cool they... claim, wouldn't it? <laughs> well, how, how do they swing that one? Well, his second name was Morgan. Well, there are loads of people called Morgan. <laughs> well, there's lots of people in Wales called something Morgan, yeah. Um, no, I think... Uh, I, I, I'm not exactly sure how they was justified it. Was he a direct it. descendant, or was it that they were descended from somebody further back in the family than Captain Morgan? Say, he obviously went to the Spanish main or, you know, to the African islands to become a pirate... And then another branch of the family stayed in Wales, and that's the family they have. Well, I think um, his family, Henry Morgan's family, actually lived in Wales. Right. And he, as an individual, lived on his plantation in Jamaica. 
And then when he reached retiring age, he then went back to Wales. Top lad. Top lad indeed. <laughs> and, <laughs> and who'd have thought 300 or so plus years later, students in Manchester would be throwing up his hard, his hard made liquor on, Forever onto, immort- the, onto the curb of Digbeth. Forever immortalised by free shots on Thursday nights. Oh my God. Yeah. If you haven't woken up on the Mancunian Way roundabout <laughs> f- filled with Captain Morgans, have you even lived? Have you even had a night out in Manchester? Have you even lived? Shout out to my friend who knows who they are for waking up <laughs> on the Mancunian Way roundabout. How wasted do you have to be to wake up in the middle of a I roundabout? I don't know, but, but he, he called me like the next day and he was like... We've gone too far this time, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think that would make anyone give pause for thought. Yeah, it? I said, oh, we were so wrecked last night and just called him up. I was like, how are you feeling today? And he looked me square in the eyes and he just he just looked at me and went, we've done it. We've gone too we've far done it. this we've time, reached, Tom. We've reached the point of no return. Now we need to start dumbing it back down again. <laughs> All thanks. To our Welsh friend, Captain Morgan. <laughs> so some of the other contemporaries of this film, I also thought they, these were career-defining moments for them as well. And I, I'm struggling to think of a time in which I've I've enjoyed watching Keira Knightley as much as well. Was this her first film? This is one of her, her, her one of her first big films. I mean, she was quite she was quite a well-known star in Britain before for starring in uh, Bend It Like Beckham. That was like a children's primetime show, wasn't it, or yes, something? Yeah, and uh, it was it was about you know a girls a girls football team. So she had she had done. That's a massive career break to go from, like, <laughs> see you know children's TV special something like Bend It Like Beckham, which is reasonably popular, mm. to the Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, she was only eighteen when she did this, and I was and I looked this up whilst we were watching, and I was I was thinking, gosh, she was a mature. Um, a mature actress, and like I've, I've, I was, I was watching her and thinking that gosh, she, she really does behave older than her years. She looks young, but she sounds older than eighteen, doesn't she? She does, yeah. Um, but and she doesn't have um, what I like to call the Jennifer Connolly syndrome, <laughs> which is, you know, like they're, they're very poor actors, actresses when they're young. Oh, they're all, <laughs> they're then, almost children. And then yeah, when they're older, you look back on 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 some of their younger performances and you think, ooh, you yeah, Je- Jennifer Connolly. Jennifer Connolly is one of those where she acts now. And I'm like, man, good for you. You stuck it out, um, you know, because a lot- <laughs> you you survived labyrinth. Yeah, good for you, because because a lot of people wouldn't. A lot of people would have crashed and burned after a steaming tile of a pile of turd like that. Yep. To be honest. <laughs> but no, yeah. Again, these were these were films that made Keira Knightley. This this is what set her up for for life. And Orlando Bloom was riding a massive wave of you know with these films, wasn't he? I think. By the time this one came out, they must have finished production for... All of the Lord of the Rings films. All of the Lord of the Rings. I don't think the last one had been released yet, but they must have finished the principal photography. So obviously he was free to go and do this first film. Yeah. I think Orlando Bloom is just one of those people that just got insanely lucky. Yeah, we we, we were saying Orlando, he's... I would describe him as a jellyfish. He's what do you know what he is? He's just a pretty brick. 
He's dis- <laughs> he's, he's a pretty brick man. Yeah, yeah. He's he's like Disney's fifth attempt at the perfect robot superstar, where he didn't quite get the mix quite right. It, yeah, it's like he's been made in a lab of a composite of everything that they think will work, but they've just forgot to formulate a personality. Yeah, for the Star <laughs> Trek fans out there, he's a he's a he's a data. He's not a law. Oh, so he's God. so he's not the perfect android yet. He's not the <laughs> he's not the perfect uh, leading man yet. He he's he's just a bit of a robot, isn't he? he yeah, he's he, well, he's he's just very wooden and unremarkable. And for for a character like Will Turner, who is very kind of inherently interesting, he doesn't really give it much. But you know what? I I can sum it up in one word. Why? Orlando Bloom got as far as he did. Mm-hmm. Face. Yeah, yeah, that's it, isn't it? Like, uh, the, you know, the story of uh, the you know the famous story of Orlando Bloom is that he landed the role of Legolas when he was like two weeks out of drama school. Yeah, and then once he got a role like that, his career essentially was made for him. It just took off from yeah. there. Yeah, and is is he is he a remarkable actor? Absolutely not. Can he sing? No. Can he dance? No. But can he learn his lines well enough? And can he stand in front of a camera and say them? Yeah, sure. I feel like given enough time, he might have matured a bit more as an actor. Well, see, the thing is, in those early 2000s, he was constantly, constantly striving for that leading man role because he was always kind of support cast, but never protagonist uh, material. And, you know, like Lord of the Rings and like this as well. He was never like the main man. Well, actually, he got a couple of things where he was the lead man, he? got didn't one he? or two things that he fluffed horrendously. And history teachers will know the, uh, the bane of existence when teaching the Crusades, which is Kingdom of Heaven. See, I quite <laughs> liked him in that. It's just a shame the film was take it or leave it. I thought as, as a film, it was okay. wasn't historically no, very accurate, Even was it? his performance in Kingdom of Heaven, I would put down as wooden and unremarkable. But he was trying to break out as the lead man, wasn't he? Exactly. And he was starting to do okay. See, I thought I thought that was a decent film. It had Liam Neeson in it as his long lost dad. It had Jeremy Irons in it. You know, it was good. it had a lot of sword drama, big budget siege just of Jerusalem. Rubbish. It was great. It's just absolute garbage. All, all the guys out there will be loving it. Like, yeah, sieges, yeah, Deus vaults, Deus vaults, siege, siege weapons and spears and. Nights and stuff. The thing is, everybody always asks me whenever we do the third crusade, oh, shall I watch Kingdom of Heaven, miss? And I say, no. 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 It will not teach you anything. That's true. You know what? That's like saying, um, I want to learn something about boxing. Let's watch Rocky. Yes. Rocky is a very well scripted, crafted drama, but it's not like really what boxing is like. The only kind of comparative film I can think of that it's kind of like uh, Pearl Harbor. Pearl, if, like learning about Pearl Harbor for the actual you know Japanese bombing of Pearl Harbor. Just don't bother watching. Just just don't. Bother yeah, watching just a it. massive distortion. Kingdom of Desire wasn't as much. Kingdom as of Heaven. Kingdom Kingdom of Heaven. <laughs> Kingdom of Desire. King- What's Kingdom of Desire? <laughs> is that the porno you've been working on? No, Tom? you know you know what it is. What is it? I listen to too much Toto. It's Toto's uh, album from oh, 1992. Kingdom of Desire. Check it out. Jeff Picaro's last album. R.I.P. Jeff. going to slip my wrist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. So King- Kingdom of Heaven. Um, it's not quite as uh, far fetched as like one of those weird alternate history Tarantino films where suddenly you're 90 minutes in and then they just blow Hitler up, you know? Yeah. Or, <laughs> <laughs> and then you're like, wait, wait a minute, what? wait, wait a minute, <laughs> what what's going on here? <laughs> but it wasn't, it wasn't great, was it? 
No. So poor Orlando, really. Poor Orlando. He's never quite been able to land the right role for his leading man career. But my eternal respect to him, because um, in recent times, he's sort of been laying low, I think, as Katy Perry's... Um, other half. Other yeah. half, yeah. Staying out of the spotlight a little bit. The but, man with the massive knob. But we all we all stand up. Yeah, there were two, two occasions where we all stand up and give Orlando Bloom a round of applause. And that is the paparazzi moment where we discovered he has a 10-foot wang. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well done, Orlando. Just, Congratulations, just well you won done. the lottery of life. Yeah, one point five. You know, he got Katy Perry. You know, that's 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 another that's another great one. Well done, Orlando. <laughs> just just well done, my son. Go on. You know, and, and just give him a pat on well, the back. Well, fucking done, Orlando. And and then number two, two point He took a swing at Justin Bieber. Oh yes, he did do that. He didn't punched he? Justin Bieber for upsetting Katy Perry. Top lad. That's that's the best one out of all of them. He punched Justin Bieber. And I love it. He has guaranteed a place in the Hall of Fame forever. He will he will always be welcome at he my will house. Always for be welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so moving on to the kind of supporting characters in this, I was just there. Every single extra, every single part, the actors were just a hundred and ten percent behind this. And I think everybody knew that they were making something. That that was just that had a light-hearted feel to it, but just a, a really a, a real feel-good. I think thing e- to it. I think every one of the main characters, albeit they may have been poorly made, you know, because it's Disney and they love to flog dead horses, but all of the supporting characters were interesting and compelling enough to have their own stories. Yes. I think. I mean, I'm specifically thinking of, you know, those two soldiers, the characters that Jack Sparrow is like, yeah, you can't go in there. You know, those two. Yeah. Like even those two, they've got like, what, four or five lines each collectively throughout the whole film. But those two could have had their own spin-off show. You learn more about those two guys and their dynamic in like four or five lines yeah. than you did about the dynamic between like Ray and Finn. In the entirety, in three whole Star Wars films, yes, yeah. Like you could totally tell that those two were like a Morecambe and Wise type, funny man, straight man yes. sort of pairing. A classic comedy, sort of English comedy duo. Yeah, yeah. And, and that- maybe we were spoiled for choice because we have another sort of comedy duo in um, Pintel and Rigetti. Oh yes, Mackenzie yes, yes, Crook. yes, Mackenzie Crook and uh, the other one. Yeah, Mackenzie <laughs> Crook Hello, and the bold pop one. It. Yeah, pop, pop it and Mackenzie pop Crook. And, pop it and Mackenzie Crook. <laughs> that is how we for Pintel and Rigetti. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which sound like two brands of pasta, don't they? Yeah, Pintel and Rigetti. When I, when I cook <laughs> my ragu, I only use a Pintel and Rigetti pappardelle. Yeah. <laughs> it's the best. It's just like my nonna used to make it, the pintella ragetti. Pintella ragetti. <laughs> no, but it was just that there was just that kind of Disney magic sprinkled over all of it, and that that's that just brought these characters to life. I want to bring to the forefront a very serious matter now. Oh right, yes, yeah. And that is talking about the supporting cast. Yes. Here at the James Norrington Appreciation <laughs> Fan Club. Oh, are we calling to? We are, we are calling to order. <laughs> We're calling the to order. The gathering of the James order. Norrington Appreciation now, Club. Now are we good? Here at the James Norrington Appreciation Society, we try and convince you that all along Norrington was the right choice for Elizabeth. Uh, uh, yes, <laughs> he, he is a stand-up fellow. You know, 
He has responsibility. We learn that he's a kind-hearted individual. Oh. He's not rash like Will Turner. He's not bad-looking either. He's, he's not... a little bit repressed because he's English, you know? <laughs> he's in the Navy. But let's be fair to the man. He has a lot on his plate. He's a Commodore. He's in charge of all the naval forces out of Port Royal. That's a big job. Hey, do you know what? If I was Elizabeth, I wouldn't have even have had to think about it. I would have been like, yes, mate, give me a bit of the Norrie bobs. He's co- Commodore Norrington. He's a steel. And you know what? He's sort of brave. He was he was about to jump in there until he was stopped by the other guys. He was about to jump off the thing after her. Com- Commodore Norrington is just one of those characters that, again, is just endearing. And again, he's got that Disney magic about him. Yes. He's, he's, and he's just so funny. For the people with the more dry sense of humour, he is the saving grace of the film. I find myself in stitches every time he speaks. For, for example, when he locks up Captain Jack Sparrow and he puts him in the brig and he says, Mr Sparrow, you will spend the entirety <laughs> of the remainder of the voyage contemplating the phrase, silent as the grave. <laughs> I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, the man is a genius. I want to be like that when well, I grow as, up. As we all know, Tom, part of the training to become a Commodore in the British Royal Navy at that time was to graduate from Witty Quip College. Yes, you have to, in fact, do six months at Witty Quip College, which is, in fact, an all-boys preparatory school, Witty Quipton. Witty Quipton. <laughs> It's, it's an all boys preparatory Where college. Send their children now, yeah. Yes, uh, they they go to Witty Quipton as the sons of gentlemen in the hope that one day they may too be fine gentlemen of the Royal Navy. <laughs> Even just in the delivery of his line, sometimes like what at one point his line was literally just no, like, no. And, like yeah, yeah, <laughs> no. <laughs> They've taken Elizabeth. We've got to go after her. We've got to save her. No, no. <laughs> and half the time. He is 100% doing the right thing. No, he is. Like, all the time, actually, I would say. I'm sorry, I side with Norrington. Will comes in with all bravado, saying, right, we've got to go after her, we've got to find Elizabeth. All right, fine. You you go out into the, into the infinite sea in which they could have gone to any island I'm in the Caribbean s- I'm in sorry. any direction. Where are you starting, mate? Yes, <laughs> I'm sorry. He's a blacksmith. <laughs> He's he's a Commodore of the Royal Navy who knows in thousands of square miles they want to find one ship supposedly in a mooring place. Their mooring place is a secret. You know, the Isla de Muerta. Where are they going to start? Exactly. And granted, yes, she's the governor's daughter, but are you really going to divert hundreds of um, hundreds they of pounds of the resources? Yeah, yeah, naval resources to go after one individual. And at the end of the day, they, they, they can't divert just for the pirates. Uh, out there at the time, they're fighting the Spanish, they're fighting the French, they're fighting the Dutch. All the lands up for grabs and the the loyalties of all these empires and powers are changing all the time and they're all fighting each other. They wouldn't have the resources just to go after pirates whenever they feel like it. Exactly. Yeah, they've got to pick their battles when it comes to piracy. I, th- I think we will t- obviously talk about this in later episodes, but I think Norrington as a character has one of the best character arcs over all three of the films. Yeah, I think it does because he goes from the highest high 
and to, then to the lowest he loses low. it in the second one and, and then, then he tries to kind of claw back he has those a re- highs he has a redemption character arc yeah. in the third one doesn't he yeah. where unfortunately he dies I was sad I was sad about yes, Arman was, Norrington yeah. yes 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 but again let us shelf that let us shelf the, that Tom shelf the let pain shelf it shelf the We've pain a, but this is how compelling these characters are I mean like over, almost 20 years later and we are still talking about this character it's also what you know in the final battle scene the man never loses his cool no you know they've just that's what fought, you're trained to do with they've just fought an army Navy. of the undead and then <laughs> and then he goes the ship is ours boys <laughs> <laughs> Literally Huzzah! just like taking it in his stride. It's yeah, like, right, yeah. army of the undead. We All just... of my like core theosophical and philosophical beliefs have been called into question. But But yeah, the ship is ours, but... gentlemen. The ship is ours. Huzzah. Ring the victory bell, if you please. <laughs> Log it in the captain's book if you would. <laughs> I know. Fought Army of the Undead at 1803. Defeated Army of the Undead at 1807. <laughs> I, I reckon a Norrington memoir would be a, a rather riveting read, similar to that of, you know, Sharp by Bernard Cornwall. I, I want to see a young Norrington novel. Oh, wow. I've just had a memory unlocked of, like, 13-year-old me. Go on. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> So, you remember that that really boxy late 90s, early 2000s computer that our dad had? Uh, sort of. Yeah, uh, that, we, that we played like the Tomb Raider with the conical breasts. Sort of, I might have been about four years old. Yeah, yeah. you would have been a bit young, but yeah. I remember the first bit of fan fiction I ever wrote was on that computer. On Microsoft Word 94. On Microsoft Word 94. And it might even have been like a, a complete rewrite of the first film in which Elizabeth actually does choose Norrington in the end. <laughs> you know what would have been And great? you know what, Tom? I'll do it again. I'll write it again. I'll go back to my roots. I'll do it. I'll do it. Can you imagine the entire story arc and then just at the very end when Jonathan Price is saying, do you really want to go with Will Turner? After all, he is a blacksmith. She just goes, you no. know what? Yeah, I think you're right, actually. <laughs> Actually, do you know what? You are completely right. You know, you're right. This, these are the times we live in. There's no way I'd actually go for the blacksmith. My father's the governor. I've got the commodore here of the uh, of the territory that my father runs at my beck and call. <laughs> of course, I'm going to go with that man. I mean, the blacksmith's pretty, but he's got all of the charisma of a he shoe. Just, <laughs> in in the spirit of the times, he can just be my bit on the side. Exactly. Exactly. Everyone was at Norrington it. Norrington will have a mistress and that will be fine. It'll be yeah. some pox-ridden wench down on the on the wrong side of Let's Port Royal. Let's not play games. We're just tying the knot for social dues. Exactly. I'll just have Norrington and you'll be my bit on the side. It'll be fine, Will. But Don't even worry. The, even at the end, when he's been spurned by the woman he's in love with for essentially a nobody with no social standing, he's yeah. still like, do you know what? Fine, I'll take the He's loss on like the chin fair, like a gentleman. Fair play, <laughs> and whatever. And this is why James Norrington deserved better. And we at the order! James Norrington Appreciation Club order, order. rely on donations. And, <laughs> and your, From Norrington stands just like you. <laughs> your donation will make a Norrington very happy that he did not have Elizabeth. Your Norrington donations will clean him up in the way he so desperately needs during the second <laughs> film when he's covered in pig shit. <laughs>
Just one pound can get you a Norrington wet wipe. And when you sign up today, we can get you a free Brash Turner signed card. Oh, not Turner. It says, no, it says Brash Turner. Oh, yes. Very rash on it. Brash Turner. Very brash. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know the actor who played Norrington is married to uh, the actress that plays uh, Missy in Doctor Who? You which, know the the, fem- the, the, fe- the female iteration of the Master. Oh really? Yes. Oh, that's so that's an odd coupling I'd never have thought of. No, interesting that, isn't it? It's 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 odd how um, Hollywood kind of pairs uh, couples together, and you think, oh, that actor is married to that actress, or whatever else. Like uh, Imelda Staunton, you know the person that plays um, Umbridge, Professor Umbridge in the Harry Potter films. Yeah, she's married to the actor that plays Carson in Downton Abbey. Oh, I can see that one. Oh, can you? You can see that one. That one makes sense, does it? Yeah, because she's a sort of little, little old lady, you know. No. Fifties type. No. She is. No. Well, she kind of, and he, you know, they're, they're definitely, you could, for example, cast both of them as the married housekeeper couple. Yeah. You, know, I, in, mm. you could, you could redo an, a type of Downton Abbey thing and have Carson and his wife be the in-house, <laughs> be the in-house help, couldn't you? And it would work okay. It would be, it would, it, I could see it happening. Yes. But I, I think, you know, brainwave. Brainwave. Norrington for Doctor Who. Oh, how good would that be? A Time Lord that is basically Norrington. Yes, and and he's just got to run around after the Doctor, being like, "Stop it, you cretin! You're getting yourself <laughs> into even deeper trouble." Yeah, that would be amazing. I would definitely like to see that. Like Doctor, Doctor, can we go to the fifth century today? No. <laughs> <laughs> All stand for the James Norrington Appreciation Society! There once was a ride owned by Disney The theme of the ride was a piracy The winds of change filled our cells full And roll the camera boys roll Soon may the sparrow man come To ask us all why the rum is gone Drunk sing with Elizabeth Swan And Dick Will Turner's gold These men are rock stars of the sea A pirate's always been sexy A drunken swagger and golden teeth Can make the ladies crow Soon may the sparrow man come To ask us all why the rum is gone Drunk sing with Elizabeth Swan And Dick Will Turner's gold Swashbuckling films were dead in the water Lock up your wives, lock up your daughters The genre's been revived huh. Soon may the sparrow man come To ask us all why the rum is gone Drunk sing with Elizabeth Swan And Jake will turn as gold Orlando's dead behind the eyes But the smaller roles are a nice surprise Jack Davenport and Jonathan Price Are stiff upper lip pros Soon may the sparrow man come to ask us all why the rum is gone. Drunk sing with Elizabeth Swan and Jake will turn as gold. A caution 
might and power of Mickey. The modern East India Company take all our Aztec gold. Soon may the sparrow man come to ask us all why the rum is gone. Drunk sing with Elizabeth Swan and Jake will turn as gold. Soon may the sparrow man come to ask us all why the rum is gone. Drunk sing with Elizabeth Swan and Jake will turn as gold. Tom, do you know who we've not talked about yet? Go on. Barbosa. Oh, he was just so good, wasn't he? See, Barbosa, I think, also uh, spent a little bit of time at witty quips. <laughs> well, he d- he did. <laughs> I think he was chucked out for being a bit too uh, blasé. Oh yeah, he, w- he was chucked out for like setting the uh, setting the housemaster's cat on fire or something, you know. But like, yes. he he didn't do for a f- stealing the school mascot. Yeah, he didn't do like a full term at witty quips, but he definitely did a little bit there. I mean, again, this links kind of back into the history. Like he probably could have been a disgraced naval captain, maybe, you know, or, or some, something like that. Yes. But you know, in, in the way that Johnny Depp did his very different approach to representing pirates, um, Jeffrey Rush went very traditional. Barbosa was everything you expected, I guess, and... But more than that, not in a cliched way, everything you expected, but delighted in seeing in a traditional pirate, I think. Yes. He was rough around the edges, but with a sort of eloquent touch, you know, being the captain, good vocabulary, but still from a a dirty kind of poor, edgy background, obviously commanded the respect of his men. Witty and clever. I think, again, we tend to think of pirates as being a little bit stupid, almost, or thuggish, maybe, I should say. Yeah. But um, he was he was like, I'm disinclined to acquiesce to your request. It means no. It means no. <laughs> I, I would have found it funny if he'd have just looked at the camera when he said that. <laughs> like full kind of f- the office moment. Yeah. <laughs> it means no. It means no. <laughs> <laughs> and Mac- Mackenzie Crook in the background was like, hang on, I know this TV show format. <laughs> can you can you imagine, just think, just think back now to 2003. You've just watched the film. You really enjoyed it. You hear there's a new one coming out and you're sorely disappointed that you think Barbosa won't be returning yeah. to Pirates of the Caribbean ever again because mm-hmm. he's dead. But then, lo and behold, ah, oh, you're put to ease, aren't Did, you? Do you know what? I I think I was a little bit upset when he has that that de- death scene at the end of, of 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 the first film, and I think that's the beauty of playing a character like Barbosa is that you can make them a well written villain <laughs> will always make you feel a bit of sympathy for yes, them to, to make you understand who they are and even, their motives. Even calling Barbosa a villain, I think, is a bit of a stretch because you can completely understand what he's... Oh, they're just pirates what doing what pirates about. do, living he, the life. You know, they want, found some gold, they they gave it away. That's what pirates do. He wants to reverse the curse. And you know what? He didn't even kill Elizabeth when he could have done. So, you know, he's he's one of those... Um, He's one of those compassionate villains, you know? <laughs> he was really funny. I thought that was, not. That, was, that was a really funny moment when she was like, that's it? with the cut on the hand uh, yeah and he's just like <laughs> waste not <laughs> it's just such a fun fun all of this all of these characters they're just fun characters they're just fun it's just a fun fun film to watch they are 
let's try and rank the series, I think. What place do you think this one comes out of the entire franchise? Now, you see, here I come to a dilemma. Because, yes, I think this first film is the best put together of the original three. Yeah. And it's the best crafted in terms of plot and story arc and whatever else. Yeah. But my favourite character doesn't appear until the second film and the third film. And who's that? Oh, you know who it is, Tom. Oh, it's our oh, man. Oh, you know who it our is. Our man, Davy Gravy Jones. 100 souls. <laughs> <laughs> Judgment. You are neither dead nor dying. I love what it. What is your purpose? <laughs> the very next time we met. <laughs> yeah. Just thinking about him just this just brings a smile to my face. Um, I think, but again, I think that this this film is a good standalone film because again, the Disney Corporation didn't expect it to do well. I think it was a little bit like Star Wars: A New Hope in a sense that yeah, I was just about to draw the comparison there. Yeah, they maybe just thought you know mm, we'll give it a shot with this one because it's the best story we have. It works. It works the best. As a standalone film, if you'd never seen any of the others, you could watch that one, couldn't you? Yeah. And think, oh, that's a good that film. That was a good that, film. That was end. good enough. Yeah. You know, yeah. Good story. We don't need any more than that. You it's still a classic. You didn't progress it past that. Yes. Um, uh, yeah. And like you say, it's, it's very much like a new hope in which, you know, it could it could have been a standalone film. If it did well, great. If not, fine. That's it's still it's still could a decent all en- standalone film. Could have film. all ended at the ceremony and Chewie not getting his medal. Yeah. <laughs> Oh no, is Norrington chewy? Well, he never gets his medal. I think Norrington is chewy. <laughs> he never gets the credit for not only apprehending the Black Pearl, eliminating the entirety of the, you know, the pirate crew, but also cap- capturing Jack Sparrow. Granted, he loses Jack Sparrow, but he was <laughs> the man who who caught him more than once. This will always be the day that you almost caught Captain Jack. <laughs> I think he's just got to look at it on the bright side. He could see it like that, but he could actually think, I caught Captain Jack Sparrow more than once. And then I let him go. It's going on the <laughs> resume. Technically, it's going on the technically resume. I'm saying I apprehended him twice <laughs> and it wasn't technically me who let him out. It was technically the governor who twisted my arm. <laughs> yes, and the first time he just escaped because of half but pin barrel hinges. Half pin barrel hinge. I mean, the memes in this film as well. It was wonderful to see. Why, Charlotte? Why is the rum gone? Why is the rum? Gone? That's that's what my friend. That's what my friend was asking, staring up at the sky on the Mancunian roundabout. Why? Why is the rum why gone? Why is the rum always gone? Why? Why bloody hell is Anytime the rum gone? Anytime a clip that is used in that absolute legacy of the internet again just made me start giggling like that's not good enough <laughs> yeah it's very early youtube isn't it that's the, very, the very weird techno the, dance the, mixes the, yes, of, the, of like why is do you the remember, rum gone do you remember youtube poops yeah very very vaguely yeah the, it was kind of like a, a like an, an early youtube poop the why that why is the rum gone yeah why is the rum gone yeah it's interestingly it's it's orlando bloom was in both very kind of early youtube poopy videos of course there was why is the rum gone and oh, then there was and the, they're, they're taking, taking the hobbits to isengard yeah, they're taking the hobbits to isengard god 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 that's not good enough oh my god why has nobody done a remix of why is the rum gone it's really and they're sad, taking the hobbits to isengard for any of our younger viewers, they're probably as old 
as, as those videos. My God, yeah. Can you? I mean, I don't really imagine a time. I don't remember YouTube being created, but I rem- but I know I was born before it was around. So therefore, but these in- children they they were born after YouTube they was don't created. Remember a time before YouTube? No, that's scary. I like I remember when I was in my early years of secondary school going to other video hosting websites to look at like short little funny video clips because YouTube didn't exist then. Yeah, there was what was the, the there was one called something lemon. There was like ebarmsworld.com. I remember ebarmsworld.com. Yeah. And I remember there was a lot of like kind of individual websites that had like flash animations and such. Yeah. Um, there was one with lemon in the title. Lemon demon. Lemon demon. Lemon yeah, demon. and and it had things like the llama song on it. Yes. And, and badgers, badgers, and <gasps> badgers, badgers, all the badgers, badgers, all the classic <laughs> like things where you know people were just dying to put their weird shit See, on the that, internet. That kind of baffles me a little bit. That Pirates of the Caribbean is of the same world as badgers, badgers, badgers. It just doesn't feel like it's that. See, badgers, 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 mushroom, mushroom. That's, that's, <laughs> it feels really old mm, to me. That's what happens when you let everyone have a voice, you know, for, <laughs> for good or... Not, not everyone deserves to speak. <laughs> yeah, for good or bad, that's what happens when you let everyone... <laughs> for e- you let everyone be a creative. The internet is born and YouTube is the product of that. But, yeah. but, but then on the flip side of that, you know, modern block, you know, blockbuster films—they're a, a refined art form compared to that, wouldn't you say? I would indeed. I would indeed. Yes. People working in Hollywood probably had their start out doing things like that online. Mm. Shall we move on to the Quaskers? Yes. It's time for the Quaskers. Academy don't know shit We shall decide So who would you say is your best in film? Are we are we in any kind of disagreement here? Surely not. Mm, it's it's a tough one. The best in film has got to be Johnny Depp. It's got to be. I think there were lots of standout performances. You know, um, indeed. It- but could could you can you possibly say, hand on heart, that there was another person in this film that launched this franchise into into in, in into stratospheric territory like Johnny Depp did? It really is hard to argue with the fact that Johnny Depp is Pirates of the Caribbean, isn't it? it he is. He is Pirates of the Caribbean. But but th- but then again, th- there are such strong performances from everyone, and dare I say it, even Orlando Bloom does a good job in this one. You know, for Orlando Bloom, but that's the caveat with it, isn't it? Because he is going to definitely be, I think, my worst in film. Really? Yes. I th- but I think it's like you say, he's 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 the bad of a good bunch. He, he's the worst of a good bunch. Yeah. And it's still a good performance for Orlando Bloom. But it is still an Orlando Bloom performance, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I feel out of all the films I've seen him in, I feel like this is the one where he least takes me out of the moment, so to speak. <laughs> where yes. I can sort of believe that he's, just, you know, not just Orlando Bloom and he's there. 
I think Orlando you know Bloom I mean? has... Like when you're watching Lord of the Rings, do you ever get the feeling it's actually Aragorn and then it's actually Gimli and then it's Orlando, Orlando Bloom, Bloom in a wig? Yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know yes, I mean? absolutely. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, exactly what you mean. Yeah. Orlando Bloom is essentially a, a man who has been trained to the same extent that a pug has. <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? He like, just looks cute, he, doesn't he? Like, like I, I can t- completely imagine that when he delivers his line and the camera says cut, they like, they, like chuck him a little treat. And he goes, <laughs> yeah. They you. throw him a little biscuit and they like, there's something like, <laughs> for God's sake, get, get one of the runners to take Orlando over to his water bowl. Well done, Orlando! <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you take Orlando onto the lawn for a shit. <laughs> God's sake. Orlando. Hold his hand and take him with you, for God's sake. No, I, I think the real problem that we're going to have with this Coscas is deciding who is our best, best su- supporting. Best supporting is always going to be an issue because there are so many people who fit every role perfectly. You know, Jonathan Price was very good. He was very, very good, yeah. Commodore Norrington, excellent. Mm-hmm. We pa- should probably use his proper name, Jack Davenport. <laughs> Jack Davenport, yeah. Jack Davenport, very Jack good. Jack Davenport. Jeffrey Rush, stellar performance Absolutely as wonderful. well. Yeah. And then all, all, all of those side characters, like, um, like, like yeah, Lee Arenberg as Pintel, Mackenzie Crook as Rigetti. Mm. <laughs> all of them, just wonderful. Um, <laughs> Mr. Cotton. And like, oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> Mr. Cotton, Mr. Mr. Cotton's parrot, Anna Marie, like angry, ang- stereotypical angry black woman stereotype number three hundred and thirty-four. You know, yeah, Dis- Disney. It's it's maybe that's one area it's not doing itself any favors. Couple of stereotypes, but then again, we'll forgive and forget because Disney are so woke now that you know they'll, that they're willing to besmirch their own legacy in the name of of being so woke just to sell even more woke tickets now. A woke ticket. <laughs> well, it's true. They're, they're willing ticket. to shit on their own past just to stay present, aren't they? I, I, yeah. And again, I think kind of as you're saying, they didn't get too bogged down in the history of this time period. I mean, you could get very, very dark when you look into the the, the history of the Caribbean at this point in time. Well, yeah. For example, I think if you're going to make a really historically accurate pirate film, it would have been hard to spend a day in the life of pirates without really running into any of the slave trade. Mm. I'm saying it. You know, it, it's it's one of those things. It's it's. It's the early 1700s. It's the colonies. They're transporting things like tobacco and sugar. Sugar, yeah, sugar cane. You know, it's just, it was a, it was a reality of of the time period, especially in that area of the world. It's something that that can't be ignored. Yeah, yeah. plenty of black people in the cast. You know, um, lots of Barbosa's crew were black, as you said. And, Johnny Depp's ex girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of pirates were freed slaves or yes. ex-slaves um, and they were seen as complete equals on pirate crews. One of the good things about the film, I think, it does explain a little bit about the, the pirate morality, mm. even though I guess in its own way is a skewed morality, was maybe one of the more fair syst- systems of rule. By by modern standards, you might read the, the pirate code of morality and think, oh, actually, it's okay. It's not too bad. An equal share of plunder for everyone, you including know what, the Tom? captain. Do you know what this is, Tom? This what? is communism. I'm <laughs> saluting now in case you can't see. I'm standing up and I'm saluting the red flag. 
This is what that's what py- that's what piracy is. It's just spicy Marxism. Yeah. What happens is Im- imagine the day, Charlotte. Imagine the day. A nice merchant, you know, navy vessel scooting along, flying the British colours, and then out of, out of the murky, misty out sea in the waters. murky, misty sea waters, you see a ship feigning the British colours, and they come towards them, <laughs> and then right at the end. The Soviet flag is raised, and it is. Ah! <laughs> oh my God! It's early pirate Soviets with their their onboard socialism, <laughs> and at the helm, Captain Marx. Captain Marx. Captain. Ka- Karl Marx does look. You put a pirate hat and a, an eye patch on Karl Marx. He's set to go from day one. Yeah. <laughs> I bet. I bet he had pirate fanfic on the brain all the time. Oh, I bet he did. Just yeah. looking at him, that beard. That's a captain's beard right there. Karl Marx is Captain. He looks like bloody Captain Birdseye just forgot to shave. That's what he looks like. He's a very hairy bloke, isn't he? And I think that, yeah. that is what unites communists and pirates. No, yeah. Hairiness. He, he, I'm running with this thought. <laughs> he absolutely looks like if the character of Robinson Crusoe was rewritten to include Captain Birdseye and he just gets <laughs> marooned just, on an island. If they had a baby, Robinson Crusoe and Captain Birdseye, it would be Karl Marx. It would. <laughs> he'd come back and he'd be Karl Marx and he'd be like, you know what, I've spent so much time on this island, I've been having a wee little think about the plight of the proletariat. <laughs> it's funny that, isn't it? That that pirates were like the earliest socialists around, probably. Well, I think it's a good draw Anarchists. for men, to be honest. It's a good it's a good draw for people just to get them on the ships if you say to them, oh, well, you know, everyone gets a fair share. Well, they did. Like, all the crew got an equal vote in who they wanted to be captain. There were, like, there were still, like, set rules about, like, what you could and couldn't do when you go pillaging and plundering. It's weird, that, isn't it? Because you'd have thought, at the end of the day, the you ship thought it'd is... be like no honour amongst thieves, wouldn't you? You thought it'd be like absolute anarchy. Yeah. I, I would have done so. And even where the captains were concerned, I would have thought, you know, at the end of the day, I still own this fucking boat. So it doesn't it doesn't matter if you're all going to vote and outvote me as captain. What we're going to do, we're going to stop at the next port and anyone that doesn't like it can fucking can get, get off, off my ship. <laughs> and I'll go and find some more crew. because Walk the plank. Because <laughs> that's what ships do. But that, but that is ultimately why people left the Royal Navy, isn't it? Because it was kind of like a my way or the highway sort of thing. That it wasn't is, even the highway. It was like my way. My way or you, the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> yeah, it was like my way or you get put in the brig. And you were, the brig. Or you, and, or you, and you were probably shanghaied into it because like you, yes, ha, you, you they got, got you drunk. drunk in Bristol and yeah. signed you up. Yeah. And, then, and then one day you wake up and you're like, oh, fuck's sake, I'm in the middle of the Indian Ocean. And it's like, oh, what, what do I get? Oh, I get the fucking king's shilling and two years service great I have to send everything back to my like my wife and six children anyway and I can't write I can't write home to let people know where I am I'll be I'll be sent home once I get my leg blown off with not no nothing as much as a military pension yeah, the, li- to see the me likelihood through. is we'll get into a skirmish and I won't even die honorably by being shot or something I'll die of a splinter as, as something like as a cannonball flies through the the bow of the ship i will die because a splinter gets into here and and gets into my body and there's no antibiotics so i'll die very grim isn't it very grim i feel like the life of pirates was a grim affair wasn't it i mean do you feel sometimes that you have a particular kind of moment and you think do you know i i kind of i feel oddly uncomfortable in this situation, this might have been something that occurred in like a past life of mine. Because I get this feeling very much so when I am in the in in the below sea level floors of a big galleon ship like that. Oh, really? Yeah. 
What 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 just just specifically this, this do you mean? Weird feeling of uncomfortableness of like real uh claustrophobic like something really traumatic has happened to me in a place like that, but has not in my in my my memory. Do you know what I mean? Like it's almost like I've got kind of inherent trauma of being in a place like that. Yeah, but I is, can't consciously pinpoint why I feel like that. I feel like it is a sort of um dingy morbid affair the bottom of a galleon isn't it yeah like for anyone that's ever been to i don't know um Ports, portsmouth HMS and had victory a look at or yeah, something, yeah hms victory it, it just seems horrible like horrible living conditions and stuff in a big ship like that it, like you're saying i think it's just claustrophobic isn't it i would rather go scuba diving and sit in the ocean than contemplate actually being on the sea in one of those things yeah there's just the cabin fever that you would have got like in in this 30 foot long ship and that's literally all you can go where all, all the places you can be you can walk from one end of the ship to the other and that's it yeah i mean it it, it, it beggars belief really people did that and they lived off like biscuits well the fact the they fa- did it the fact is it must have been in some way an appealing life for young men because let's float the thought. Different was it, ditty in a different city. Was it the gap yard of the time? Hanging round with my mates. Yeah, exactly. The, the gap yard was it the, ga- of the, was time. It the gap yard of the 1700s? Oh. <laughs> I went to India and I traded some it's spices. Like, oh, yeah, oh yeah, we had so much rum last night. <laughs> I went to Jamaica. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and we vommed everywhere. And then we went up to Canada, got some timber. <laughs> yeah, we, we went to the island of Tahiti and everyone had their norks out. Oh, it was so <laughs> it was fucking great. <laughs> everybody turned into Prince Philip. Norks is such a delightfully Tory word. I and love we, it. Yeah, and we loved it so much. We rebelled against the captain because he wanted us to leave. Uh, he wanted us to leave the nork and women alone. <laughs> and we said, no, we've become accustomed to norks out and we love it. <laughs> Shall we sign off there? <laughs> the yeah. Bye. Goodbye, ladies and gentlemen. Bye.